Let us turn to Psalms 119. Psalms 119. From verse 46, we shall read verse 46 and 59. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved. Era na yogiranga kwevyu biwategeza mumaso gaba kabaka nesikwati wansonyi. Era na sanyukirangevyu biwaragira bienayagaranga. Verse 59. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Uh, tonight, just for a short sharing of encouragement, I just want us to share uh, around verse 59. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Amen. David here is saying he thought on his ways and turned his feet to his testimonies. To the testimonies of the Lord. Uh, Brother Branham preached this sermon. He says, when David spoke these words, uh, he says, most likely he was distressed. He was being hard pressed. There are situations when the devil, the devil puts us in a corner and he really hard presses us. As they say that saying, that you find yourself between a rock and a hard place. You find yourself you have nowhere to turn so David was in this kind of situation. He was depressed. He was thinking a lot. He was so much troubled. As he thought on his ways. His feet. Turn to the testimonies of the Lord. In most cases, the devil tries to get the Lord out of the picture. He'll bring a situation which is so hard 
and he'll bring all your focus and attention to that situation. And then he'll get God out of the picture. I believe David was in this kind of situation. And it's, it was as if God was not in the picture at all. And the prophet says, most likely when he wrote these psalms, that was the moment when his very son Absalom had toppled him. You know, there is a moment when David's son Absalom, when he toppled his father. Amen. That moment made David so distressful. And sometimes such distressful moments come for a purpose. But sometimes we allow them to come our way. That time, David had sinned. He sinned prayer. Amen. Amen. There was a moment the Bible says that when David left his position, when David left his post of duty, David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man who loved the commandments of the Lord. David was a man who served God faithfully. But one day, he got, you know, familiar with the things of God. Just like some of us do. We serve God. We love him. But sometimes we get used to the word of God. And God does not want us to live that kind of life. We should always cut out our salvation Wherever you are, God's word is never familiarized. So David reached a moment and he left his post of duty. And the Bible says there was a moment when all kings were supposed to be at battle. David thought, I have fought very many battles. It is high time I also relax. It is high time I delegate. And I also rest a bit. And the Bible says, he sent one of his commanders, Joab, to go and represent him on that one. And he remained at home. He left his post of duty. He left his position where God expected him to be. And he stayed at home and relaxed. Just like some of us behave. Time for fellowship is supposed to be for fellowship. Time for 
reading the word where God expects you to be that's where you are supposed to be but David left his post of duty and he stayed at home and the Bible says when he was strolling around on top of his house he saw his neighbor's wife Uriah, she was bathing and naked and last entered him and he sent one of his people to call that woman and he committed adultery with her. We know that story and then after that he started plotting because that uh, woman became pregnant and when he learned of it he started scheming. He sent a message to the battlefront to Joab to send him Uriah. And when Uriah came home he told him, you better go home. After Uri had told him about the, the, uh, the war fraud, the situation there, then he tells him, go home and rest. But Uri told him, how can I go home and rest? When the, the rest of Israel is at the battlefront, I cannot go. He remained there. David gave him drinks, he convinced him. But the Bible says that he stayed there and slept there. And when David realized that he has not gone home, he wrote a letter to Joab. And in that letter, there were some instructions. Put Uriah at the battlefront. So that when the enemies are fighting us, they may be killed in the battle. And Uriah carried a, a, a message which pertained about his own death. And the Bible says, after Uriah was killed, God sent prophet Nathan to David. Because when David realized that Uriah has died, he ended up taking his wife. And God sent his prophet Nathan to David. Go and speak to him about that wickedness that he has done. And the Bible says, Nathan came to David. And he told him a parable. There were two men, a rich and a poor one. The rich one had herds and flocks. But the poor one had only one eulam, which he used to feed with. He used to sleep with it. It was his only lamb. But here the rich man gets a traveler. Uh, the rich man gets a visitor. And then he gets 
get the, the small ale lamb of the poor man and slaughters it for his visitor. And David, uh, Nathan turned to David and asked him, what would you do to such a man? And David said, such a man deserves death. And his lamb to be restored fourfold. And Nathan told him, you are that very man. And the Bible says, when David heard that, he cried and repented in bitter tears. If you read the whole of that Psalms 51, it talks about David's repentance. I was born in sin, shepherd, he pleaded with God. And God had mercy upon him and forgave him. But the Lord declared through Nathan tell David because of what he has done a sword will never depart out of his house. And he told him one day I will raise up somebody from his own house and he will turn against him and he will take his concubines and lie with them on top of the whole of Israel so Israel will see he did that thing in secrecy but it will be done against him in broad daylight and now it was being fulfilled you see the Bible says the way of a transgressor is very hard uh, Brethren, that's why we should be very careful not to sin. That's why we should be very careful to uphold the word of God. Not to transgress. Because the way of a transgressor is always very hard. God forgave him after pleading. But still, that one had to be fulfilled in his life. Because the Bible says, his, I think uh, Absalom was his firstborn. He started plotting against his father. He started, you know, conniving with people. He would come at, at the entrance of the palace. And people who would come to King David with complaints, with issues. He would meet them and you know, sympathize with them. He would embrace them and show them a lot of love and care and then ask them their needs. Tell me, 
what is your need? What do you want? They would tell him their need. Somehow you would convince them. And tell them, you see, my father is so busy. He has no time for you. But with these issues of yours, I'm able to handle them. He started stealing people's hearts from David. And after a long time of persuasion, he had a very big following. And he planned a mutiny against his own father. And one time, David had trumpets being blown. He realized that another group had turned against him. His very Absalom had turned against him. And the Bible says he took to the run. Ran away with another group. Some other men who were so subject to him. Some valiant men, they went together. And the Bible says, he was running away, barefooted, climbing Mount Zion, crying, shedding tears. In his heart, thinking about what has happened, my very son, my own blood, is the one who has done such a thing. And he was climbing that mountain, barefooted. And when he was in that kind of condition, the Bible says, there was a certain man called Shemei. He started throwing stones against him. You bloodthirsty man. You took over also Saul. And now what you did is God is revenging. And he was throwing stones and And one of the you know, men of David. He picked a spear. He said, let me spear him. And David told him, don't do it. Maybe God has allowed him to do it. You see, David, he was so much anointed and inspired of God. He said, leave him alone. Maybe the Lord himself has allowed him to do this. Maybe when God sees what I'm going through, he remember me and have mercy upon me. And David now climbing the mountain. And the prophet says, that was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in future, the Lord himself was to be betrayed by his own brethren. And he was supposed to claim Mount Calvary carrying his own cross after being betrayed by his own brethren. So on his way, he was thinking 
Surely this is my very, very son doing such a thing to me. As he thought on his way, his feet turned to the testimonies of the Lord. So hard pressed. So demoralized. Thinking on his way. Knowing that everything has turned against him. Maybe even God has turned against him. As he was thinking on his way. His feet turned to the testimonies of God. He started remembering where God picked him from. Amen. He said, after all, who made me king? Isn't it the Lord? He started remembering how Samuel came in his father's house, the house of Jesse. And he was somewhere in the wilderness taking care of his father's sheep. And a message comes to him. A messenger comes and tells him, David, come home. There is an urgent need. Maybe let me stay around and take care of the sheep. But you are needed at home. And when he reached home, he found Samuel, found his father Jesse, people gathered around, all his brethren, and when he came in, Samuel said, that Samuel is the very man. I believe David wondered. The very man, why? And Samuel instructs him, kneel down, he gets the, the, the horn of oil, and he anoints him king of Israel. God had instructed Samuel to go and anoint David as the king of Israel because he had rejected Saul. And when Samuel came home, The Bible says that Bible Samuel asked uh, Jesse, Can you bring all your children? All your sons? Because the purpose that has brought me here, God has sent me to anoint one of them as king. And the Bible says, Bible Samuel brought his first son. And he was a strong man. Well built. And when Samuel saw him, he was almost going to And God told him not to. And he told Samuel, I don't look at the stature. But I look at the heart. I have rejected that one. And then they brought the second one. And he was almost going to anoint him. And God told him not that one. They brought the third one. 
until all of them were Then Samuel asked, Are these the only sons? And just told him, yes, I have another one. He's somewhere in the wilderness. He's taking care of my sheep. That's when David was called. So it was a surprise to David. But I believe he learned about the whole story after he had been anointed. So he started remembering. Lord, the Lord picked me from nowhere. He elected me. He chose me from among my brethren. I was so insignificant. But he chose me to be king over Israel. He started remembering how God gave him victory over Goliath. How he brought food to his brethren at the battlefront and he found Goliath defying the arm of the Lord. He just roar and all the children of Israel would just shriek. Choose me a man. Let him come and confront me. If he kills me, then we shall be your subject. And the whole of Israel will just tremble. But when David came, God inspired him. He said, who is that man? To despise and defy the army. To despise Israel. And he got that inspiration. And he got the anointing. And he ended up killing Goliath. So he was remembering all that. Truly, truly. It wasn't my strength. That inspiration came from somewhere. It came from the Lord. He remembered how the lion came to take his father's lamb. And all of a sudden, how he, how he got the strength and the courage and the boldness to confront it and kill it and save that lamb. This was not my strength. That one was not my strength. It was the strength from above. His feet were now turning to the testimony. He started remembering how Saul pursued him. 
Several times looking for his life to destroy it and how the Lord protected him until the Lord elevated him after the death of Saul and made him king over Israel. All his feet were turning to the testimony of the Lord. And now all the trouble all the distress, all the misery that was in, it immediately left him. And then finally, the Lord ended fighting for him and restoring his kingdom. As he was on his way, so troubled, his feet Turn to the testimonies of the Lord. In verse 46, he said, I will never stop to declare the testimonies of the Lord, even to the kings and the potentates. Because God is always good to me. Brethren, God gives us testimonies. God does something good for you. God gets you out of a situation. God gets you out of a fix. When you are between a rock and a hard place, whereby you cannot get yourself out. And then after doing that to you, he expects you to always look back to that. And to always remember that that God who picked me from nowhere, that God who did that wonderful thing to me, He's always so close to me. Even when another situation comes, even another moment will come, that same God has not changed. For he's the Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. Remember where he picked you from. You were nothing. You were a sinner. Wallowing in sin. But the hand of God, the mass of God, reached out and picked you from wherever you were. You opened your eyes to this truth which cannot be seen by many. Remember the habits that you had. Remember the lifestyle that you used to walk. And now where you are. Let your feet turn to the testimonies of the Lord. Brother Abraham talks of a certain lady. A black woman. She was a black American. She came and said, told the prophet. And said, I want to testify to the Lord. And when she stood to testify, she said, I want to thank God because I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I ought to be. Neither am I what I want to be. 
But I'm not what I used to be. And the prophet said, that one was a great testimony. Because this lady realized that though she, does not, she has not reached, just like Paul said, I'm pressing on to the mark of my high calling. Even this lady realized truly maybe I have not received the Holy Ghost. Maybe I still have some shortcomings. I have not reached where I am supposed to be. When the gospel is preached, I find myself short of the word of God. Of the standard of the word of God. She was pressing on. But then she realized and said, but I want to thank God. At least I'm not what I used to be. She saw where God picked her from. How that merciful God picked her from shame and distress and all this and that. And here God has cleansed her of her sins. God is sanctifying her. Even if she's not yet filled. But at least she knows that that God who picked her from nowhere is more than able to complete that work. Her feet Turn to the testimonies of the Lord to where the Lord picked up. Paul. Paul said, I know that he who started that good work in me, he will accomplish it. Brethren, God has brought us from somewhere. He's taking us somewhere. We may not have reached the level that God wants us to reach. But we know that that faithful one who started that good work, he will accomplish it. Brother Branham said, he said, you see God is not an Indian giver. An Indian will give you something. Maybe when you do something wrong, he will take it away from you. But God is not like that. When God saves you, when he starts a work in you, he will accomplish it. Even when David sinned, in his crying and repentance, he said, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. God did not take away his salvation, but he lost that joy. He lost that fellowship. Sin makes us lose the joy of the Lord. But God does not take away our salvation. He's such a merciful, loving God. 
One preacher demonstrated it. He said he saw one time a mad person, a mad man. And that man was picking, you know, he would pick dirty cans. He had his uh, uh, sack. And then he would just pick a can and put the he moves on, he picks a, a dirty bottle, he puts it He there. went on collecting until in the evening time he had a big collection. The sack was full. And then he reached somewhere and put it on the roadside. And then he walked away. And this brother was now trying to notice. Look at this man. All his effort picking. And, and now he has abandoned this thing. He said, God is not like that. When he picks you and brings you in his economy, he has a purpose. He does not do things haphazardly. He knew you for the foundation of the world. He elects for a purpose. He's not an Indian giver. That God who started a good work, he will accomplish it. What situation are you going through? What condition are you going through? Has the devil put you in a fix? In a corner? And he has taken God out of the picture? And all your focus is on that issue? That problem? Oh, this job. It has been feeding me. It has been feeding my family. Now I have lost it. And it becomes it's the end of the world. But you should remember that God who had given it to you. He's more than able to give even a better one. He's a God who is not limited. He can do anything at any time. And they never put you in a corner of sickness. You go to the doctor and they cut out tests. And they tell you of a terrible disease. And all your heart trembles. And you lose hope. And all your focus and all your attention, the devil drives it to that. And God is completely out of the picture. But don't you think that that God who saved your soul, Brother Abraham says, the greatest miracle that God can do. To someone is to save his soul. Because when he saves you and gives you eternal life, you will never get lost. But God can heal you of a disease. And then you fall sick of another one. 
But that God who picked you from nowhere. Remember where you were. A sinner. Full of habits. And outcast as far as God is concerned. And shaped you. To this position that you are in. Isn't he able. To heal that sickness. I remember the testimony that has just come to my mind of Brother Joseph's uh, father when he was here and he had different you know, telling us of his testimonies how he had a heart problem and all that and they wanted to take him to India but one time he told God God if you don't heal me then let me die because I know that you created this heart. And you are more than able to heal it. And he had so many testimonies. How God saved him from death. One time he was attacked, we laid on the way. And God giving him testimonies. I believe such people, not him and him alone, but God expects all of us. God does something in your life. However small it is, God wants you to remember it. Remember the Lord. Remember the goodness of the Lord. Remember where God picked you from. And that one will give you courage to forge ahead. That one will give you the strength along this narrow way that we are in. Because the devil is so insisting. He will fail you here and he'll bring another trial here. But all those trials, God wants us to turn our hearts, our minds to the testimony of the Lord. That's what failed the children of Israel. They saw the mighty hand of God. God plaguing Egypt. Plague upon plague. And they were in Goshen. No plague reached them. They would just hear it. In the rest of Egypt. Hailstone. All water turning into blood. But God had shielded them. Goshen. The last plague God kills all the firstborn of Egypt. Pharaoh's firstborn inclusive. But he gives them a way of escape. To put a token on their doorposts. A token of blood. And then finally they leave Egypt with great substance. God allows them to come with great substance from the Egyptians. 
and they reach the Red Sea. And they are stranded. And the host of, his, of, 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 of Egypt is following them. They are in a fix between a rock and a hard place. The Red Sea is before them. The prophet says maybe on the other side there were mountains. And on the other side, there were valleys. And here, the host of Egypt is pursuing them very fast. And the stampede starts. And they run up and down. And they started telling Moses, you brought us from Egypt to kill us here. They have already forgotten the testimonies of the Lord. God fights for them. He opens the Red Sea. And they reach the end. And they see the whole army of Egypt being destroyed in the Red Sea. And they sing songs of prayer. They testify about the goodness of the Lord. But then shortly, they reach another condition. They reach a place called Mara. And all the water there is bitter. And they are very thirsty. A bitter condition. Brother, sister, you can reach a condition. And everything around you is so bitter. They were in that kind of condition. And they start chiding Moses. Now we are going to die of thirst. And God tells Moses, pick that tree. Get a branch of it. Put it in the water. The water will be sweetened. And the Bible says that's, that's what Moses did. And the water became sweet. For them to drink. And they drank and testified. But they move on. They keep on forgetting the goodness of the Lord, the testimonies of the Lord. That condition was so hard. People dying of thirst because the water was bitter. Brother Branham says that branch of the tree was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, however hard and bitter a condition is, when you invite him, when you call upon him, and he comes in that condition, however bitter it is, it will become sweet. Amen. The condition the Marthas and the Marys were in. After calling the Lord Jesus Christ, our brother Lazarus is sick. Lord, come and help us. He was a family friend. Now he's preaching in Bethany. He delays and he doesn't come and Lazarus dies. A bitter condition. But when Jesus came, he turned it to a sweet condition. Brethren, God wants us to turn our feet to the testimonies of the Lord. What condition are you going through?
Let your feet turn to the testimony of the Lord. Just one quarter as we finish. <coughs> what did Jesus mean in St. Matthew 18, 69? 9 and 10. What do the 12 baskets and the 7 baskets represent? Question for Sunday morning. The prophet says, let us see Matthew 16.10, what it says. I'm not too sure, just let me get there. It's Matthew 16.9 and 10. He says, do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven leaves, rather neither the seven loaves or the four thousand and how many baskets did you take up? And Jesus said unto them, uh, take heed that you be aware of the living of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves. Saying, is it because we have taken no bread? Now Jesus, now just watch. When Jesus perceived, he caught their thoughts, see? He said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. Do you not understand? Neither remember the five loaves and the five thousands and how many baskets you took up. Amen? Amen. Jesus, yes, Christo. in this scripture, he was talking about the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And now these people, his disciples, they started now imagining. He's talking about bread. We don't have bread. Maybe after preaching to people. How are we going to feed them? We have not carried anything. And yet Jesus meant living, meaning sin. Because living represents sin. He was talking about the sin of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And now they started imagining bread. And now Jesus tells them, you people, have you quickly forgotten why are you worried about bread? Don't you remember? Because he perceived their thoughts. Him being God in flesh. He perceived their thoughts. What they were thinking about. And he said, have you quickly forgotten? 
When there was a situation here, and people had nothing to eat, and they told you to tell people to sit down, and I asked if there is anybody who has something to eat. And you said there is a young boy who has five, five buns, pieces of bread, and two fish. Don't you remember the miracle I did? How I fed the 5,000? Why are you worried? Amen? Amen? In other words, like this. If you have seen God provide and do a miracle, then can't he do another miracle again? In other words, like this. If he saved you from the life of sin, can he not heal your body? Don't you remember when you were a sinner? How he lifted you up your soul in faith to believe him? Can't he likewise do something great for you again? Can't he do the miracle anything else for you? The five baskets. He said, remember. When they were crossed over the Red Sea, God opened up the way like that and made the Red Sea open like that and walked through. He came on right on the other side and as soon as he got without water and as soon as they got without water they started murmuring. Is that right? As soon as they got without bread they started crying out. We have no bread. See? And he said, didn't you consider the miracle back there at the Red Sea? Had not you come down when you all got in the spot by the Red Sea? They said we ought to have died. Here comes the Egyptians right on, on us. We have nothing to do. He said, who smote the earth with plagues down there? Who kept the sun shining in Goshen? See? We must remember those things. Remember, God is God. Hallelujah. Any of it, he is still God. And he certainly can do anything. God is God. He can do anything at any time. What is impossible with man? It is so much possible. 
That God who got you out of your sins. That God who has cleansed you with his word, the water of the word. That God who has given you a living hope. That God is more than able to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He's more than able to take you to the rapture. He's more than able to sort out every condition. Every situation that you are in. I don't care the magnitude of the problem. He's more than able. He's the same God. He who started that good work is more than able to accomplish it. May the Lord help us to turn our feet to the testimonies of the Lord. He's a faithful God. I don't care the situation you are going through. He's the same Lord. He's the same God. He's more than able. God bless you so much.